So I think probably a lot of people have been on dates which they think like went really well and then like they get ghosted. <laughs> Yeah. And, then, and then they are like, what, what just happened? I thought that went really well, you know. So because we get feedback, that's where we know like what both parties have to say about each other. Okay. Yeah, but of course we don't kind of say like, oh, you know, like A say this and B say that, you know, then like nobody's right. going to ever give us feedback. Yeah. <laughs> so we just kind of like collect the feedback. And after that, if we get like very similar feedback after a while, like mm-hmm. then we will tell the client and say, you know, would you like some feedback? Hello, and welcome to Every Moment is a Choice. I'm your host, Erica Behel, and I invite you to join me on a transformative journey to uncover the extraordinary potential that lies within every single moment of our lives. From the choices we make in our relationships, careers, and personal growth, to the mindset we embrace in the face of adversity, this podcast will empower you to embrace the notion that every moment holds a choice, and it's up to us to seize it. Join me as we engage in insightful conversations with thought leaders, experts, and everyday people who have harnessed the power of choice to achieve greatness, overcome obstacles, and create extraordinary lives. If you feel inspired by this episode, please read it and consider subscribing. I'm keen to know how it's impacted you. Today, I'm speaking with Violet Lim, CEO, co-founder, and chief Cupid at Lunch Actually, Asia's largest dating and matchmaking company. Lunch actually was founded almost 20 years ago when Violet and her then fiance, now husband, decided to create a platform for busy professionals to meet their potential partners. And as of today, Lunch actually has set up 150,000 first dates and brought together 5,000 married or committed couples across six locations. That's Singapore, Thailand, Hong Kong, Malaysia, Indonesia, and Taiwan. So here on Every Moment is a Choice, we talk about living your life intentionally through your choices. And I'm thrilled to have Violet here with her unique vantage point to share her thoughts on how we find and choose love. Welcome, Violet. Thank you, Erika, for having me. (laughs) I'm so excited you're here. (laughs) Let's start because I want to dig right into your story. Mm -hmm. So you're an accomplished entrepreneur, you're a TED speaker, and a relationship guru. But Take us back to where it all started. I mean, how did you end up as a matchmaker? <laughs> I get that question a lot, especially when I meet new people and they're like, oh, you know, like, how do you end up becoming a matchmaker? Mm-hmm. And uh, of course, I would say that, you know, if I told you my childhood dream is to be a matchmaker, I'll be lying to you. <laughs> because, <laughs> because like, you know, like most kids, especially in Asia, we have been like groomed by our parents to like study hard, get good grades, get a good job. And that's uh, being an obedient only daughter that I am. I did exactly that. Yeah. So I actually read law at university mm-hmm. and then I did a master's in HR. Um, my first job was actually in a bank. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was where I realized that a lot of my colleagues were single and not dating. Yeah. And to me, that was very surprising because like my colleagues, like, you know, bankers being bankers, they are like well-dressed, well-groomed, eligible, attractive. And I'm like, why are so many of them single? Mm-hmm. And at the same time, quite a lot of my friends were like getting married or getting engaged. And like, you know, I myself met my... Uh, then boyfriend or husband at university as well, right? Mm-hmm. So I realized that, you know, if you people kind of miss that opportunity to meet someone at school or at university, it gets a lot more difficult when you start working. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like the kind of like problem statement that I saw. 
So when I was traveling, I came across this concept of lunch dating, which is something that has been very popular in like UK, US, Australia, but nobody was doing anything like that in Singapore or even Asia. And I could really see like my colleagues doing uh, lunch dating because I realized that they just spend so much time at work, but they usually have like a midday break where they just, you know, go for lunch with their like colleagues or friends. So I was just thinking, why not take just one lunch hour like a month to meet someone that you have never met before, you know, make a new friend and who knows something will actually come out of it so I really like that concept at the same time I was someone that has always been like the unagony of like my friends like Mm. when I was growing up like (laughs) like you know I'm constantly on the phone you know my parents would be like knocking on my door and say who are you talking to you know and then I'll be like talking to like maybe the girl on like my home phone you know like in those days where people still use like a house phone and then on the other side like you know my mobile phone I'll be talking to the guy and I'll be like listening to their problems and I'm trying to like patch them up and solve their problem so I'm like okay I seem to have a knack for this (laughs) so you know since like I'm doing it anyway like why not make it into a career so uh, that was how at 24 years old I decided to quit my job at a bank Mm -hmm. and uh, start lunch actually with my then fiance now husband Jamie wow (laughs) that's such a cool story and I have to ask Love actually came out in 2003 yes that's right did that influence your lunch actually ah that's a very good question so when we wanted to come up with the name, like uh, Jamie and I had this spreadsheet, like where we'll just put in like names that just come to mind. Like I remember we have like hundred over names on that spreadsheet. You know, it might be like middle of the night, we are both sleeping and suddenly we'll just wake up and like, oh, you know, like inspiration yeah. and we write down the name. So there were so many names on that spreadsheet. So we are still arguing still today who came up with the name lunch actually. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but but when we had this hundred of names, like um, we shortlisted to about five to eight of them. And um, actually our favorite name on that list is um, not lunch actually. It was the name a uh, lunch martini. <laughs> And I okay. know, yeah, I see the expression on your face. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and we actually like it so much that we actually have started to ask a designer to start working on the logo. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, we decided to send the list to our close friends. And we are like, okay, out of this list, like which are the names that you really like? And like, you know, what would you vote for? And things like that. And um, the name lunch actually was like a hot favorite. Yeah. And I think probably like you say, you know, the movie Love actually just came out. It's so popular and it's like such a few good movie. There's such a powerful, positive connotation to it. Yeah. And like everybody hated a lunch martini. <laughs> <laughs> they, they are like what's that you know like they're so pretentious <laughs> so anyway so uh, I'm glad that we have you know like good thinking of checking with our friends first so obviously we just like dumped the name a lunch martini and then we went with the name lunch actually wow <laughs> that's such a fascinating story yeah. I have to say I'm glad you changed the name too <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> Maybe we wouldn't be sitting here having this talk if the company is called a lunch martini. <laughs> we, we would not be here maybe, right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. So lunch actually has been successful and it's next year will be 20 years yes. in business. Yes. That's a huge accomplishment. I mean, for starting a business at 24, <laughs> congrats. Thank you. And I know that you are, you're quite ambitious with the business. You've ridden different waves and trends and we'll talk about online dating. Yes. But what is your overriding goal? What do you want to do with lunch actually? So I think, you know, like I get asked very frequently, like, did I know from day one that the business is going to be where it is today? So the answer is 
100% no. Mm. <laughs> like, um, when we first started a business, we were very clear about a couple of things. We thought that we definitely want to grow the business to a certain size. So we were clear we didn't want to kind of be like a mom and pop shop, which is fine. You know, like it's just that that wasn't what we were looking for. And we were also very clear that because this business is so niche and like Singapore is so small. So from day one, we knew we would expand overseas. Yeah, because again, that's something that I get asked a lot. People will be like, oh no, you have like such courage to expand overseas and things like that. And I'm just kind of like, not really, because from day one, we knew we were going to do it. So wow. it's really a mindset um, that we already had. And um, the, the truth is, it's like, it's a very, very difficult business. Mm. And like, there are really days that I'm just thinking, oh my goodness, this is so tough. Like, why am I doing this? But I think what really kept me anchored and like kept me going mm-hmm. is... I just felt I've just been very blessed and I just feel that in a way it's like there's a reason why I've been so blessed. Like it's really to like give back and help others. Mm. So I met Jamie, like my husband, uh, at 20 years old. So we met university and then we got married when I was 25. Mm-hmm. And then we had our first kid, so our son, uh, when I was 26. And then had our daughter, like Kara, like when I was 29. Yeah. So in a way, like before 30, like kind of like, you know, have the like, you know, what a lot of people would like to have, like, you know, married with kids and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I just feel that there must be a reason why, like, I am, like, so blessed, you know, to help others and to pay it forward. And hence, like, I think maybe a couple of years into the business, like, we decided to come up with this uh, big, hairy, audacious goal, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is uh, one million happy marriages. Nice. Yeah, so... um. Honestly, it's very aspirational <laughs> because it's not easy to have one million happy marriages. But I think at the same time, it's really what keeps us going and like reminding us like why we are doing this. And um, I would say maybe about a couple of years back, I met the CEO of Matrimony in mm-hmm. India. So mm-hmm. it's uh, the largest uh, matrimonial services company in India. It's called Matrimony. And, and like after I meet him, I actually feel quite good because... Um, he actually, I think, probably hit this number every year. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got a big yes, a big and population. He, yeah, exactly, he has a big population. So in a way, like it just makes me feel that this is possible. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So so you know, in fact, like I was like, okay, you know, like I think that that's really great. I met someone who have done it. Mm-hmm. So like even though like we are in like much smaller countries, like with smaller population, but I think you know this is really what keeps us anchored and to just drive us towards like achieving our big hairy audacious goal. That's amazing. I, it, and it is like aspirational, but yeah, yes. someone has done it. Yeah, so exactly. It's possible. Right? It's possible. <laughs> I love that. Okay. So we have to ask because dating in 2023, I mean, you've been, you've been at this for a while, but dating in 2023 is, seems to be dominated by swiping, yes. you know, swiping left, swiping right yep. by companies like Tinder or the other dating apps. Yep. And everything is based on like a photo. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, it, it seems like decisions are made in a split second yeah. almost. Yeah. And, you know, who knows if they're actually looking for committed relationships yeah. anyway. But even on those apps that are specifically geared towards looking towards partnerships and yes. everything, it's still kind of a swiping culture. Yes, that's right. But I, and correct me if I'm wrong, I believe that you said you set up blind dates. Yes, when you matchmake. That's right. The total opposite. So what <laughs> drives your philosophy behind that? I, I think a lot of people, when they hear that we are still doing blind dates, they are like very surprised, especially because now with dating apps, like it's really driven by a photo. Our philosophy behind it is quite simple, actually. So it's also, I think, like maybe why I'm so committed to it. It's also because of my personal story. 
So I always tell people, I say, if like my husband and I like would have met on an app, we mm. probably would have never met. Mm. Yeah. My husband and I, I mean, we met in university. But if you were to ask him and ask me, when is the first time we met? We'll give you two different answers. And okay. of course, my answer is correct. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I think like my husband, when he was at university, like he was dating like a, a certain trend, you know, like, I, I mean, we all have that. We kind of like just date a certain a style, a yeah. type, right? And like, I didn't fall into like his type. Mm-hmm. So I think that was the reason that when we first met, I wasn't someone that he really recalled because I was just not his type. And it was really funny because like when, when I tell him the story, and then of course, every time I tell the story, he would get so embarrassed. But, but um, it was um, uh, like kind of, you know, like orientation kind of events, you know, like you know, university, a lot of these events. So mm-hmm. like we first met at a club and then he's like, but the club is so dark and there are so many people, you know. So I'm like, okay, yeah. okay. Like, that makes sense. I say, but then after that, you know, we, like a group of us, like maybe 10, 15 of us went to have supper at Chinatown. Mm -hmm. And obviously, it's very bright, right? You know, it's like a round table. Everybody can see everybody. And he's like, oh, but you know, like, it's so many people and the table is like so big. And I said, yeah, but after that, we actually shared a cab. (laughs) 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 So like, that's like maybe like four people. (laughs) But anyway, it's, it's okay. The next time we met, which is the time he remember we met is um, at this student society election. I was running for president. So he found me very memorable at that point is because he was like, who is this girl? You know, because I'm actually a um, direct entry student, meaning, you know, I mm-hmm. didn't start in year one. I went in year two. Okay. And then everybody know that student society election at those points is a popularity contest. So it's very much like you just bring all your friends, right? Yeah. And then he's like, this girl is like a direct entry student. She just started like, I don't know, a week or two weeks. She obviously do not have many friends like you know what very gutsy to run for president right so then uh, I gave my speech and then he was very impressed by my speech he's like wow you know she speaks really well and her points are really good so that was the time he remembered meeting me so Mm. it wasn't so much like a physical attraction but it's really more like a intellectual attraction in that sense yeah so um, yeah so exactly if we would have met on a dating app he 100% would have swiped left (laughs) and then we would have never met so just coming back to your question, which is uh, why like we are so insistent of doing a blind date. So I mean, I always tell my clients that at the end of the day, you're not looking for like a one night stand. You're not looking for like a casual relationship. You're looking for something that's long term. Mm-hmm. So meaning you're looking for a partner that's probably going to spend, you know, the rest of your life with you. And I say that by the time we're all 70, we're probably like all like old, wrinkly and saggy. <laughs> Yeah. Like, we all probably look the same, yeah. right? And you you are looking for someone who share the same life values, like the same like um uh, life goals, and that's what is most important to you. So why would you want to like let a photo to make that decision? Because you know some people are just more photogenic than others, and I I think like I'm like one of those. Like it's quite mm-hmm. funny. Like usually when people see me in person or like they see my photo, they're like oh you're really a photogenic. And there are some people who are not photogenic, right? Yeah. And yeah, you might just like, oh, you know, I don't think I like how this person looks. But when you meet the person, like you are seeing seeing them in like 3D, 4D, 5D, right? Mm-hmm. Like the voice, like the way they carry themselves, um, the way they treat others, all of this yeah. thing you can't see in a photo. And you're just judging someone just on something that is so surface. Like I just don't think it makes sense when you're looking for your life partner. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the reason like whenever we make a match, we want to make sure that they give each other a chance and really experience that person in person and yeah. not making that judgment just based on a single photo. 
Understood. Understood. And do you guys do a 100% manual process or do you use like algorithms to help you with that? I would say we have like the algorithms to help with the um, initial screening. So for example, like some people... Um, maybe their faith is very important to them or yeah. some people they are looking to date um, someone from um, you know similar uh, ethnicity things like that mm-hmm. so like the system will help to do that matching and or the match back so you know like whatever I'm looking for the person is also looking for me yeah. and that would then give us like a short list um, group of people and then our matchmaker will still go in one by one so I would say each match uh, s- subsequently is still uh, handpicked by the matchmaker nice yeah. nice and you have like a success rate on your first date. Like you get feedback and yes, everything, right? Yes, that's right. Because that's right. You, know, you have so many hundreds of thousands of data yeah. points probably yes. already. Yes, yes. Yeah. So um, one question, of course, we get asked all the time is like, what is your success rate? And I would say that um, our success rate is not based on like say marriages because from the point that we arrange the date uh, for them to meet up to the point that they get married is actually quite a long process sure. and there are a lot of different things that can happen but how we measure our success is after each date like how they rate the match mm-hmm. yep so out of the 150,000 first dates that we have um, a match I would say that 85% uh, have been rated as good to excellent by our members mm-hmm. yeah so um, like to us like that is like what we benchmark on because what we are trying to make sure is that when whatever match that we put out or like when we put two people together at least you know like they feel that okay this person like meets like 60-70% of what I'm looking for mm-hmm. and I also meet like 60-70% of what this person is looking for and then ultimately then it's up to them you know to bring it to the next level right yeah. right so do you track people after the first date and see? Uh, we do, we okay. do. So um, like sometimes when we do the next match, they will ask them like, um, how was your previous match? You know, did you uh, exchange uh, content details? Uh, did you go on a second date? That's what we always do. However, it's quite interesting sometimes because um, some people, they get a membership package and let's say the membership package has like 10 dates. And then uh, sometimes like, at the end of it, they will say that, oh, you know, I met someone. And then you will think mm-hmm. that, oh, is it the 10th date? Then it's not; it's the first date. So, ah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's interesting. I think different people like they really utilize their membership differently. There are also people who sign up for a ten date uh, package and then they meet the person on the first date and they are like, "It's okay. I don't need to meet the next nine. Wow. Yeah. So, so like people do it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, they do not always tell us that they have uh, met someone through us. So, um, sometimes we find it out through friends. Like, mm-hmm. there are friends who come to us and then we're like, oh, how do you know about us? And then we're like, oh, you know, like my friend who and who actually met through you guys and then uh, that's why I'm here. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> and so, now that you have been doing this for quite a while mm-hmm. and you have all this data, yes, the apps have come kind of, they, they fade in and out. There yep. was, I mean... I think like things like Match.com were mm-hmm. were already in existence yes. like more than twenty years yes, ago. Yes, that's right. But then Tinder is like maybe about ten plus. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, in terms of people's like expectations, mm-hmm. and and what they like, like I imagine that some of the people who come to you mm-hmm. have already tried the dating app. Yes. What do they tell you about the experience? Like, why why do they come to you as a result of? maybe not enjoying the dating apps perhaps? Um, I would say most people when they start using a dating app, like it's quite fun initially because it's mm-hmm. like a game. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you swipe and then yeah. like you get excited when like someone swipe, you know, right on you as well and then like you start chatting and things like that. So I think the first part of it is like quite fun and you get a kick out of it, right? Like, oh, you know, someone like me back. Um, I would say if people spend like maybe three or four months on an app 
and they do not kind of like see the result, then they will start getting like quite uh, jaded after a while. Mm. Because after a while, it, it becomes like work. You know, because you have to swipe, you have to like um, be very discerning as well. Because I think with dating apps, like again, you know, I know of people who have met their um, other half on a dating app. So mm-hmm. it, it definitely works for people. But at the same time, like um, there are a lot of different characters on the dating app. Mm-hmm. So there are like obviously serious genuine singers, but there are also like people who's just looking for like fun. There are married people. Uh, there are like insurance agents, so it's, uh, crypto, it, yeah, crypto, yeah. So, so it's really a whole spectrum of people on it, and you really need to be very uh, discerning, and then you need to spend time to like sift out all these like strange characters yeah. to meet the right person to even go on a date. And I think sometimes like with dating apps, you know, like the the kind of way that people present themselves on an app, and when you finally meet them in person, you know, it's a bit different as well. So that is also some things that people get very tired of. It's like, oh, you know, I thought I'm meeting A and then I end up meeting B, you know, even though they are the same person, but not really. Right. <laughs> yeah. And um, after a while, it's, it just gets very tiring. And I think that's kind of some of the feedback that we got. And um, for some of the people who come to us as well, they are doing very well in their career, you know, and they, after a while, they are just like, I don't have time for this. Mm-hmm. And then I remember meeting a lawyer and, I mean, he's being paid like probably, I don't know, like 500 or 1,000 an hour, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so time for him is money. So yeah. rather than like spending his time like on swiping, he might as yeah. well work with us where we do all the work for him. Vetting and, and all that. Exactly. So basically, we are like kind of like doing all the legwork and all they need to do is to show up, you know, at the restaurant and enjoy the date and get to know each other. So I think after a while, they're like, okay, this probably makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, it seems like a more efficient way, but also something that will, like, that there's a higher chance of success. Yeah, and I think the other part of it is also when people are using app, it's very much what they think works for them. Mm. So it's like they putting down, like, who they think they are, they putting down who they think they are looking for. But I think when they are working with us, that's also the professional input as well. So, like, I always tell my matchmakers, I say, you're not, like, a waiter or waitress. Mm-hmm. You're actually a dietitian or nutritionist. Yeah. So, like, it's quite different in a sense because, I mean, clearly, if you're a waiter or waitress and then, like, the person, like, just order whatever they want to eat and you are thinking, okay, like, if you eat this, this probably will kill you. But you're like, okay, but, you know, I'm just here to take orders, right? Yeah, yeah but if you're a nutritionist or dietitian, you're like, no, don't eat that, you know, like, that's really bad, you know? Do you want yeah. to consider something else? So, that's really where we are coming from to, like, understand what their objective is and then to also understand the reason for maybe some of the preferences or criteria that they have. Mm-hmm. And if we feel that, okay, like, um, this might not make sense or like, you know, would you actually consider something different or maybe do you want to widen your preferences because that might also help you to achieve your objective. So that's really like where we come in as well to offer a different perspective. And um, I think that has helped. And the other part of it is really the feedback. So mm-hmm. I think probably a lot of people have been on dates which they think like went really well. And then, like, they get ghosted. <laughs> and, yeah. then, and then they are like, what, what just happened? I thought that went really well, you know? So because we get feedback, that's where we know, like, what both parties have to say about each other. Okay. Yeah, but of course, we don't kind of say, like, oh, you know, like, A say this and B say that, you know? Then, like, nobody's right. going to ever give us feedback. <laughs> yeah. So we just kind of, like, collect the feedback. And after that, if we get, like, very similar feedback after a while, like, mm-hmm. then we will tell the client and say, you know, would you like some feedback? And then they say, yeah, sure, you know, then we'll just let them know, like, maybe some of their blind spots and maybe, like, these are some of the reasons why, like, their dating journey has not been going as well as they would like it to go. 
Wow. Yeah. So that's like a like coaching element. Yes, that's it, right. Which is part of your business yes. as well, right? Yes. So explain a little bit about the type of coaching that you do. So we offer date coaching and image coaching. So um, the story how you even end up doing coaching is mm. that I realized something very interesting. Like I realized that there's a group of people like um, they might go on like maybe three dates, five dates, you know, and then they will put their membership on hold and then they're like, oh, you know, I'm seeing someone and, you know, you don't need to match me anymore. Mm -hmm. And then there's a, another group of people who like maybe go on like five dates, 10 dates, 15 dates, 20 dates, and it just doesn't go anywhere. Right. And then I was just thinking to myself like, okay, like, is it that my matchmakers, they are playing favoritism and they are just matching the first group better than the second group? But that doesn't make sense because um, for us, they sign up for a membership. So if we are able to find them someone earlier than later, mm -hmm. it makes our life easier because then we can move on to work with someone else. Yeah. Right? So there's no reason why we want to sabotage ourselves to just having to keep right. sending them on dates. Yeah. So then I realized that the first group is that they already have the right mindset and right skill set. And I think that's where like our matching philosophy comes in as well. So mm -hmm. we realized that a lot of singers, when you ask them why they are single, they will tell you that I've not met the right one. Mm -hmm. So they are very fixated on this idea, you know, like why I'm single is because I've not met the right one. But what we have realized is like finding the right one is not just about meeting the right one. It's also about being the right one and also choosing the right one. Yeah. So that's really where coaching comes in. Like, of course, you know, like our matchmaking process is helping them with meeting the right one. But if they are not the right one themselves to start off with, it doesn't matter how many matches I put them on. It's just not going to work. That's where we realized that, okay, we need to add coaching to like, our services and um, our coach actually help our clients to like understand them, themselves better and to also identify like maybe certain blind spots or gaps that they might not be aware of. I mean, when it comes to say mindset, you know, I have met like ladies who come to me like they are a bit like, you know, jaded after a while and they are like, you know, Violet, there are no more good men in this world. You know, like all the good men in this world are either dead, married or gay. <laughs> so, so, I mean, it's like if that's the mindset, the problem is that it doesn't matter how many mattress I give them mm. at the back of their head they are like this is not a good man because there's no good man in this world right mm. yeah so, so, it's, so a belief. it's a belief right yeah. so it, it's things like that like so then we have to address like why do they think that way mm -hmm. yeah you know like what is the underlying issue or like there are sometimes that people come out of like really painful relationships mm -hmm. and then they still have not gotten a word mm -hmm. and that's also stopping them from going forward as well so for example like uh, remember there was this guy he came to the office like a very eligible like very nice guy and then you know then we started to understand like more about what he's looking for and we we're like okay you know that makes sense then towards the end of the consultation and then he took out this photo from his like bag and he said I want all my dates to look like this and we're like okay who who is this <laughs> And then he's like, oh, that's my ex-girlfriend. Uh. So, oh. <laughs> and, and then, you know, we're kind of like, okay, you know, like this guy is probably not ready to like, you know, go on a new relationship. He's still pining for his ex, you know, like there's still some unfinished business there. So we did not sign him up actually. And then we say, yeah. okay, you probably need some time to like get over your breakup. And then, you know, when you're ready, then, you know, we can talk more. Because I think it's not fair like to him and it's not fair to the ladies that we will introduce to him as well. 
Yeah. yeah so it sounds like very ethical business <laughs> practice where, you know, if you know that someone is not going to be a good match. Yes. At this, in his current yes. mindset. Yes, right? yes. Yeah. Or like, you know, we can then just like uh, get him to go through coaching first yeah. to, to like work on some of these things. So uh, that's really where the coaching comes in. But of course, as dating gets, I would say like, I don't know, more complicated. Now, like we, we do offer like different things like uh, WhatsApp critique. So it's a bit like texting mm-hmm. critique. Because I think like when it comes to like dating apps and like, you know, just texting nowadays, like it's so complicated because you're actually competing with a lot of people. Like, but people just mm-hmm. never see it that way. Because when people are talking on dating apps, like they are rarely only talking to one person. Yeah. They are usually talking to like, I don't know, like 10 different people. And if you're very boring and then you just like say things like good morning, good night, like, you know, have you eaten yet? Like <laughs> you are just going to get ghosted. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, that's where we come into. In a way, it's a bit like personal branding, like mm-hmm. working with the clients to find out a bit more about who they really are mm-hmm. and also helping them to really bring up like, you know, all these points up like so that they don't get ghosted or mm-hmm. they really present themselves so that they get a chance to actually go on a date. Yeah. Yeah. So th- these are some of the things that we do. And sometimes like some clients, they might not have a lot of dating experience. Mm-hmm. Also like, you know, helping them to like pep talk them, you know, give them that confidence to like just, you know, escalate the relationship to the next level. Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, these are some of the things that uh, our coaches actually do. I think it's so profound mm-hmm. that you focus on being the right one. Yeah. And so many people out there are just saying, someone else has to kind of conform to me, but yeah. look at yourself. I mean, yes. That's, that's the, and understanding what they do value, right? Yes. Beyond, oh, he has to be this tall or yes. she has to look like this. Yeah. What are you actually looking for? Yeah. Take some uh, self-reflection, I yeah. guess. So you also talked about choosing the right one. Mm-hmm. So what does choosing the right one entail? Ah, okay. So choosing the right one, it's uh, a bit like, you know, just now we talk about like everybody kind of have a type. And then sometimes like, uh, I'm sure we have been in, you know, like gatherings where like we meet the new girlfriend of this guy. And then you're like, is this really a new girlfriend? Like this really kind of look like the old girlfriend. (laughs) But yes, it's a new girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? Like people just keep repeating the cycle over and over again. And um, I think sometimes like people choose a certain type because they think that that works but like where we are coming in like we are really helping them to realize like why are they even choosing like a certain type so for example i remember having a conversation with i can't remember like um one of my friends like uh, this guy he said like i really like girls with long hair mm-hmm. and i'm like do you know why you like girls with long hair and he's like, no, I just like girls with long hair. And then I just kind of like, okay, the reason like why like a lot of guys usually like girls with long hair is because long, luscious hair, you know, like is a mark of like health. That means mm-hmm. you have good health. And then like it's also like kind of like a fertility marker. Mm-hmm. Like that also shows that you're probably fertile. <laughs> like so yeah. things like that. And then the guy was like, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that. Then I say, yeah, exactly. So it's like, if you meet a girl and she has short hair, it's probably like just a style. It's just trendy. Like, it really means so much to you. I'm sure after you guys get together, you maybe can talk her into growing her hair. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Just things right. like that. Or like, you know, like um, ladies would be like, oh, I like guys who are like very tall. And I'm like, do you know why you like guys who are very tall, <laughs> right? Mm. So it's like just trying to get people to understand like a lot of like our choices are actually in a way quite biological. 
Mm-hmm. Like it really has like maybe nothing to do with whether this person is going to be like a good father or a good husband, you know, or like a good mother or a good wife. It has no correlation at all. Yeah. But it's just something that is kind of like hardwired to us to like kind of look for these things. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like when they get a bit of this awareness, I mean, I would say it wouldn't totally change the way they choose. Mm-hmm. But at least it gives them an awareness like, oh, that's why I'm choosing it this way, right? Yeah. So I think that's one part of it. The other part of it is also to make them realize that ultimately, what is your objective? I remember like this friend of mine, by the time like she say, okay, you know, maybe can you help me find someone? I think that time she was in like her 30s, like maybe mid 30s. Mm-hmm. But she's still like at that point dating like as if she's in her 20s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, like when we're in our yeah. 20s, like, I don't know, like everybody have a six pack or, or you know, a head full of hair and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But, you know, as like guys grow older, like maybe in their mid 30s or 40s, like some of them like maybe start to have like thinning hair and like maybe like not so much the beach board, but more like the dad board and, yeah. and things like that. I mean, of course, there are still guys like at that age group who looks like I don't know, like some like beach boy or something. (laughs) But most of them wouldn't. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, like what are we looking for? Are we looking for like someone to have a casual relationship with? Or are we looking for someone who would be a good partner for us or like, you know, a good parent for our kids? So um, I was very happy. Like one day, then she told me, oh, I met someone. I'm like, oh, okay. So like I, I was like kind of like waiting to like meet this guy. And when I met him, I was like, okay, I'm quite happy. Like, you know, she's really choosing based on the right things. So, I mean, this guy, like, don't get me wrong. He's very decent. Mm-hmm. Like, but he is definitely not like that guy that she was initially yeah. like looking out for. Yeah. Right. But he like worships the ground she walks on. It's like, you know, he's so attentive. Like mm-hmm. you can see that he he's just so into her. And then, I mean, subsequently they got married and then they have a kid. And then now he's just such a doting father. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. So, so I think that's just, you know, what we would like to share with our clients that when you choose, just know like, what are you working towards? Yeah. 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 And I can see how that you translating people's kind of um, desires based on physical characteristics mm-hmm. into what are you really looking for? Yep. Maybe it's not a woman with long hair, but a woman w- who wants to have children. Yes, if that's important to you. If that's yeah. important to you and yeah. kind of translating those into more values or attributes. Yes, yes. So we always for. kind of like split it into like superficial criteria and like significant criteria. So, I mean, of course, I say that in the most ideal world, of course, we should have both. But okay, but sometimes life is not so ideal. (laughs) So, if we have to choose, like actually the significant criteria is really what is going to make or break a relationship. It's Mm -hmm. like not so much the superficial criteria. But of course, I mean, like we are realistic as well. So, when we do the matching, we also need to make sure that they would still somehow like be attracted to each other because like, you know, there's no point I make a match that's so compatible in every way, Mm -hmm. but they're just not attracted to each other. That's not going to work as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, there has to be a bit of give and take. Yes, that's right. (laughs) I just find myself so curious about how you're creating so much success from this. And because I know, like you said, um, a lot of people using dating apps Mm -hmm. and everything are getting disillusioned with them. Because you've been doing this now for almost 20 years, what do you find has changed over the years? Is there anything that's gotten kind of better over the years or like what, what has changed? Um, I would say quite a lot of things have changed, definitely. Like, now with dating apps, I think sometimes people kind of see dates as, like, commodities. 
it's like easy come, easy go, right? Mm-hmm. In the past, I would say like dates are like something that's very precious. Like when yeah. you are like, oh, you know, like I'm going on a date. It's like, it's so exciting. Like people will be thinking like, what should I wear? You know, it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's just something that's so exciting. <laughs> but mm-hmm. now it's like going on a date. It's like, oh, okay. <laughs> because like, you know, if you're using a dating app and like you know what you're doing, like it's not difficult to have a date, I don't know, every week or like a few dates a week. Or some people can even do like a few dates a day. So yeah. it, it just kind of becomes something that's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Like a commodity. Yeah. Like, mm. okay, let, let's do it. And then the problem with that then, it also become like a paradox of choice because it's so, just so easy. And yeah. you're like, you meet this person, you're like, oh, that person is okay. But mm-hmm. maybe the next one is better. Yes. Yeah. I think the paradox of choice is such an interesting topic because if you have, you know, uh, an app full of 20 people yeah. who are ready to meet with you. Yes. I always think like, what's the incentive if there's, because relationships are hard. They take work. Yes. And you have to choose to be in love every day, basically. And so if at the first sign of this person's difficult or it's something I don't want to deal with, I just switch to the next person. That's right. You know, like it seems like there's a very disposable mm. feeling to dating. Yeah, yeah. I, I think in general, I think like not just dating. Yeah. Like I think even with like relationships, I, I think now with like the accessibility of apps, like, you know, like just the abundance of opportunities of meeting new people. I think people just, yeah, have this maybe mindset of it's just easier to just move on. Like mm. rather than sticking with, like you say, you know, like what they have and trying to work on it. Because like, why do that when maybe the next person is better? So I think like sometimes we see this not just when it comes to dates, but I think in marriages as well. Yeah. 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 So I think in the past, people are like, you know, when someone get divorced, it's like, it's something like really big, you know, like maybe Mm. it's like a, you know, like domestic violence situation. Obviously, you know, like the lady should leave, right? Or like, it's like maybe uh, infidelity, like, okay, totally understand. Or, you know, like it's something like really huge. Mm -hmm. But now it's like you hear that, I mean, again, you know, not to diminish like any of people's experiences, but it just becomes something more like, okay, like you say, you know, it's just not working out. And mm-hmm. I know that maybe there's just more choices out there. Yeah. Like, so why not just move on and just, yeah, yeah try something different? Yeah. yeah. I actually looked up some statistics because, I mean, you're... Your business is across Asia. Yeah. But I was looking up some statistics for Singapore. Yes. Because Singapore, like many Asian countries, has a very low and declining birth rate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so there's there are a lot of governments in this region who are very... Yep keen on yes. making more marriages and yeah. more babies yes. <laughs> locally. Yes. Um, so there was a statistic I looked up on, it was like a marriage and parenthood survey, mm-hmm. I think, done. And they looked at kind of longitudinally over the years how people's attitudes yeah. towards marriage changed. Yeah. And it, I think the most recent one was like two years ago or something, but it said 80% of Singaporeans still want to get married, mm-hmm. but that's down from like, what it used to yeah. be. Yeah. So it's it's kind of steadily declining of do I even ever want to get married mm-hmm. in the first place? Yeah. So how do you see that impacting your business? I mean, mm. if you're if you're looking to create marriages. I think definitely we, we do see that. Like um people are starting to think like, okay, do I really need to get married? Or like, you know, do I just want to be in like a committed relationship? Or I think in some of the uh, Western countries, like, they have, like, de facto relationships and things like that, yeah. right? Um, as of right now, like, we don't really see it um, affecting our business in that sense. I think, like, there's still um, similar, you know, or, like, even bigger demand for our business, uh, mm-hmm. especially since COVID. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So COVID has been very interesting because I think to a certain extent, like COVID kind of gave people the experience of like, oh, so this is how it feels like if I'm going to be alone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so I think it was quite interesting. Like after that, you know, there was really like an uptake of people like inquiring and signing up for our service. Mm. I, I think, you know, like whether people have the desire to get married or not, I feel that as human beings, we always have like this innate um, desire to have a companion. Yeah. yeah, be it, you know, in a marriage or be it in a, just a committed relationship. So I don't think like that's really going to uh, make an impact. But I do see a worrying trend where, you know, a lot of couples, even though that they are married, they are thinking whether they want to have kids. So that's, mm. I think, probably another problem that I guess like governments are probably going to have to like grapple with. Yeah. 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 Because it is, I mean, I've been in Singapore for 12 years yes. now. And I've heard lots of things like kids are too expensive. Yes, yes. Why do I want to have them? Yeah. Or we, you know, in European countries, you might get a whole year off when you have a yes, baby. But right. here it's maybe three or four months depending yeah. on your status and yeah. everything. And and so there's different policy things that you could achieve, right? But yeah, there's a whole spectrum of reasons why people may not feel yep. they want to bring kids yep. in the world. You, we're both moms. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the joys that come with kids. Yes. So you are around 5,000 marriages or committed yep. relationships yep. that you've created. Yep. And I know I think you said somewhere that it's a source of inspiration. Sometimes you keep their photos. Yes, you, yes, I do. I do. So, um, you know, like there are days that I'm just like, oh, I just want to throw in a towel. I don't do this anymore. It's so hard. Mm-hmm. And then like um, I have this like folder like where I like keep photos of their marriage couples or like their kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in fact, like in our company, like Slack communication, like we have one channel that we call like uh, One Million Happy Marriages. Mm-hmm. And that's really where all our matchmakers would update, you know, everybody like on a couple that has just gotten together or like a marriage, you know, like sometimes uh, they'll send us like their wedding photos or sometimes they might like invite like our matchmakers to their wedding uh, or sometimes they might uh, send us gifts and things like that. Mm-hmm. So like that channel is really to showcase like all of these things that's happening and I think it just really encourage us and remind us like of our why and like why are we actually doing this yeah yeah it it seems like you have that such that's that strong why yeah you know you're not just building a business because you're entrepreneurial yes this has been your calling really yes so your business has been successful and you've expanded as well and you have this big hairy audacious goal and you know you know it's possible what is the one thing that you would invest in to help you get to that goal if you had like all the money in the world to play with? Oh, wow. I think one thing that it's very important, I feel it's really um, coaching and education. Mm. Yeah. So what we have realized is that clients who have gone through coaching, like usually like we've found the sweet spot, it's like about seven sessions of coaching. their chances of success is actually higher. And in fact, sometimes it can like almost like double up the chance of success. Wow. Yeah. So I think like, yeah, what what would be very interesting is, you know, if we're able to like invest into our coaching arm, you know, to like probably do more research, to be able Mm -hmm. to come up with even like more like methodologies, like to hire like coaches to train them and to be able to, 
I think not just work with our clients, but even I would say with um I mean school children, like mm-hmm. maybe um from teenage onwards. Mm. Yeah, I think just giving them like the right mindset and the right skill set um, about relationships, about communication, about, I don't know, like even aspirations, you know, like when it comes to family. Mm-hmm. Like I think that would be really helpful because what we have realized is that not everybody like come from, you know, like a happy family kind of like background or situation. Yeah. And of course, it can go both ways. Like some would be like, okay, you know, because I didn't, you know, come from like a happy like family situation, I want to make sure that I have one. But there are also some that they just feel that, okay, you know, like obviously this doesn't work. Like why should I even bother? Yeah. <laughs> right. So I think if we are just able to create like this awareness to give them this education to just give them this uh, skill set and mindset it would just help them to aspire to want to have like happy relationships yeah, yeah. Or, or to know what to look out for as well and I think that would actually uh, help us closer to um, achieve our behalf that, that's such a um, an interesting observation and you know decision around what actually matters yeah you know, maybe it's not having 10,000 more people on your app or something to scroll through. It's yeah. not the having so many choices, but it's more understanding what who you are and what you're looking yeah. for yeah. and what a healthy relationship could look like. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That is profound. I mean, I, I, I definitely think that. Well, that would make a big difference as well in just, I think, society. Yeah. That would have huge ripple effects. So I go back to to you as an entrepreneur because you are, you strike me as just like you're playing your own game. You're not <laughs> trying to copy anyone. You know, you've withstood all of this new market entrance in terms of the dating apps and everything, but you're still going very strong, you know, and you still have this vision. Um, but operating in a profession like matchmaking is probably as old as time. <laughs> I mean, in India, it's a whole industry. Yes, right? yes, yes, it's huge. <laughs> So what is next for you? Like, what do you want to take this to in the future? I would say it's, there, there are so many ways to look into this, right? Like, um, I think where we see like we can continue to grow in our impact is really in terms of like products, like what else can we offer to help our clients to be more successful in their journey? Yeah, so I think definitely on the coaching side, like, you know, what else can we do better? So that's more in terms of the product and services offering. And then on the other side would definitely be um, our geographical reach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think um, we are more or less in most countries in Southeast Asia right now. So uh, that's still, you know, more countries in like North Asia or like, you know, potentially like how we can expand out of like Asia as well. So I think uh, what we have done successfully is we really have managed to systemize the business to a certain extent. And mm-hmm. I think um, surprisingly what we have realized is that as much as like, we are playing in like quite a small region, we are quite sophisticated in like quite a lot of our processes and offerings as compared to like maybe some other regions. So um, yeah, you know, given the right opportunity and uh, resources, you know, we would love to like expand out of Asia as well. Wow. Yeah. So it could it could go even more global. Yeah, fingers that crossed. Cool. <laughs> That'd be very cool. Excellent. Well, I am I am so happy that you came and chatted with me today. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I remember one one thing I read that you said one time, um, 
that love is not a feeling. Yeah. It's a choice. Yeah, definitely. And from talking to you, I mean, it's just, it's just nice to, to hear that someone in matchmaking in this industry is concerned with the deeper aspects of it when so much of it today seems very superficial. So it's very nice. <laughs> very nice to meet and talk to you today. Yeah. Thank you, Erica, for Thanks. having me. Thanks, Violet. <laughs> Thank you for listening today. I hope this has been a useful investment of your time. If you feel inspired by this episode, please rate it and consider subscribing. I'm keen to know how it's impacted you.